We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the very first edition of the Knicks Film School pregame podcast. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and I'm here to preview the Knicks upcoming matchup against the Milwaukee Bucks. This play takes place Monday night at 7.30 p.m. at the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden. The Bucks come in at 25 and 14, sitting at third place in the Eastern Conference. A potential playoff preview between a team that's been hovering around third and a team that's been hovering around sixth. So it should be an interesting matchup. The conversation you're going to hear in just a little bit is with Ty Windish. He covers the Bucks for the Blue Wire Podcast Network on his podcast, The Eurostep. It's spelt G-Y-R-O. That's apparently how the Midwest or portions of the Midwest, or at least Ty and his people, pronounce uh, Euro. Uh, I know gyro as a very delicious Greek uh, meal um, that you could get at a stand of just about any corner in New York City. And I loved talking to him about the Bucks and what is going on in the world of a team with championship expectations that started 9-0 and and is... 16 and 14 since. So uh, should be an interesting matchup when the Knicks play them. And I think you're going to enjoy the conversation and get Ty's perspective on what's going on with the Bucks this season. To give you an idea of how the show is going to go this season, um, or at least going forward, uh, we obviously, for those who knew, uh, we had a pregame show going on that took place an hour before every Knicks game. That's where the casual Friday crew was existing we decided we wanted to add them to the podcast feed which is why casual fridays now exist and instead of a pregame show that takes place right before the game we wanted to give you a pregame pod instead that features the perspective of the knicks opponent from somebody that covers the knicks opponent as intently as we cover the knicks so it's going to drop around noon uh, of every game day, uh, there will obviously be some exceptions. The Knicks play at 1 p.m. on Sunday, well, Eastern Standard Time on Sunday. Uh, we do not plan to drop a pot at noon on a game day that the game is at 1 p.m. So that would obviously drop a little earlier, but mostly expect a pregame pod midday. And we will hopefully be able to feature the perspective of the other team um, from somebody that covers the other team as closely as we do. I already said that, and I'm leaving this in. Let's get into it. My conversation with Ty Windish, a preview of the Knicks matchup against the Milwaukee Bucks. Joining me now for this pregame edition of the Knicks Film School podcast, the Knicks take on the Milwaukee Bucks, who come in at 25 and 14. Uh, ironically, this is a potential playoff preview because this is the three seed currently, the Milwaukee Bucks, against the number six seed New York Knicks. And joining me to preview this matchup on Monday night is Ty Windish. You can hear him on the Euro Sports Podcast Network on the Eurostep Podcast. Knicks fans or people from New York, if you see the name of the podcast and it's G-Y-R-O, that's not the sandwich that you like to get on the corner of most places in the city. It's pronounced Euro in different parts of the country. Love how this podcast and expand our our, our horizons as to how the, the other portions of the country say specific words. Ty, thank you for joining me here on Knicks Film School Podcast. How you doing? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk Bucks Knicks. I, I'm not a full believer in that notion that like 
you know, the NBA is so much better when the Knicks are good. Like some people, I think, really blow that up. Mm-hmm. But I do think I think it's a little better. I think it's nice. I think it's fun when New York is excited. And, you know, two years ago when Randall had the all NBA season and all that, I think it's good. I think some people get a little too. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of 30. There's a lot of teams, but I do think it's good. Now it's like the Knicks uniforms. So. Yes, I, I've there are, there are some classic Knicks form, uniforms that I like. And while I can't speak for the rest of the country that uh, elicit that theory that the NBA is better when the Knicks are good, I can tell you my life personally is better <laughs> yeah. when the Knicks are good. It's definitely better in New York. That's yes, for sure. much better here. I'll tell you that much. Um, so it's funny when I originally reached out to you to do this pregame show. My first question was going to be about the Toronto collapse but then come back with with the win in overtime because the Knicks just suffered something similar against Dallas and unfortunately didn't come away with the win and lo and behold the basketball gods decided the Knicks would almost do the exact same thing on Friday night up 16 with three and a half to play and it became a two-point lead late if you can still I guess we'll compare experiences here um, take me through the last 45 to 90 seconds of the Raptors game. Cause I'll, I'll tell you how I felt watching my experience and you tell me yours. The funny part about it was, so I cover the Bucks G league team, the Wisconsin okay. herd. So I was leaving the herd stadium in Oshkosh after finishing my interviews. And I was waiting for Lindell Wigginton, who's a great guy, always takes forever after the game. And he had a big game. I had to talk to him. Took forever. So I talked to Lindell about press coverage or whatever. Checked my phone on the way to my car. Bucks are up. God, what was like 21 with seven minutes to play or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was, but they were up, I think, 20 plus in the fourth quarter. Put my phone away. I go, oh, good. Good Bucks win. Need, need to notch more of those. I get home. I pull up the NBA app and I see like 97, 97 end of regulation. And I was like, are you serious? So I didn't get to watch it all live. I had to revisit it and rewatch some of it. I got to watch overtime, which was like, I was gritting my teeth the whole time. I think Grayson Allen, who's been a pariah for Bucks fans for a lot of this season came through and hit a couple of big shots, but you know, you go back and look and it's so funny. The Bucks are at this point now where they've lost some games pretty poorly. And now the fans are getting upset about Mike Budenholzer again. So Bud got a lot of hate because he took out the starters. I think they were up like 17 ish or something with like three minutes left. Mm-hmm. And he puts in Thanasis and the others. Thanasis is like certainly the human victory cigar. And the Raptors just never stop trying, keep on going. And they make it a game. And I think it's just like, I think it's like 30% just pure effort, 70% just spite. I feel like the Raptors went out of spite this season or like try out of spite this season. Like there seems like there's some issues there maybe with touches. Fred Van Vliet on JJ Redick got a little into that. I know there's mm-hmm. been stuff about OG and Anobi before. Nick Nurse is just like, yeah, I'm just going to play everyone 45 minutes every night. I think they have three of the top four minutes played or something. That they do. Um, so I think like, the other teams are just like ready to be done playing the Raptors. It seems annoying, all the switching and defense and everything. And the Raptors are just like, no, we're not. We're not done. You, We have to experience this every game. We're going to make everyone experience more of it with us, too. Yeah, it's 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 not necessarily comparable because like obviously Tom Thibodeau, I think he has almost a philosophy that I will be the last to take my yeah. starters out. Like if you take your starters out, then I know it's safe, but I will not be the first to take my starters <laughs> out. But for the Bucks, I'll I'll call it collapse, but we'll call it a Raptors yeah. oh, comeback it, against it, the Bucks. It was both for sure. There well, so was like, also so much stuff had this, to happen, you know. Like, and if I don't mention specifically, Bucks fans will get mad. I mean, Siakam clearly follows Bobby Portis when he's mm-hmm. by the the baseline, and they ended up calling it out on Bobby Raptors ball, and Bud couldn't challenge it. And that was another. How does Bud not challenge that? He's like, yeah, I couldn't challenge it. It's, you can't challenge a no call. But that that also had. There was a couple things that were like, okay, it really should have been over, even with the collapse in regulation. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the Raptors. You got to credit they played super hard as they usually do. Well, so I'll also make sure Knicks fans hear me when I say this that Emmanuel quickly was blatantly fouled on a three pointer and it was not called during our collapse against the Raptors. And then you add in like there was some possessions. Like Knicks fans, I think I share in this frustration their last four minutes of of, their crunch time offense is just not great. It's a lot of ISO. There's the ball just kind of stops and it's Randall do something or Jalen Brunson do something. Their 
are some more motions. Like if, if defenses collapse, they do have some like penetrate and kick to the wing uh, actions in there that I do like, but sometimes they don't kick, which is annoying. RJ Barrett, when he was healthy, was uh, an option that did that as well. Uh, I, I will say this. I share now in your uh, relief that you can have a collapse like that, but still walk away with the win, you know, that you're able to, to enjoy it into that sense. Uh, what are the vibes like in Milwaukee? I think you kind of hinted at them. The The Bucks started nine and oh, they're 16 and 14 cents. Um, I, I, you let me know how are Milwaukee fans feeling about this season? Not great. So it's a combination of a couple things. I mean, I think one, you go 500 ish over 30 games and that's obviously, you know, not going to be ideal. And that's Mm -hmm. not something, you know, that's not something the Bucks have done over this. I want to say over this long of a stretch of games, they started pretty poorly last last season, too. But it was like Brooke, Brooke isn't playing at all. Drew Holiday was out for a while, yada, yada. And I think they were under 500 early, but then they rebounded. So maybe it's not the worst stretch of 30 games, but it's one of the worst we've seen uh, under Mike Budenholzer since he's been the Bucks coach. I mean, they won 60 games or were on pace to every year until the championship season and then last season as well with just the uh, injuries and short rest and everything so uh that that's part of it and then i think the chris middleton injury saga which is even worse because last year we had the brooke lopez injury saga and it's like you know fans always default to what they know so brooke if you recall was just like mysteriously out after the first night and it was just like back soreness for a while and then we actually thought he was going to come back there was like this weird interview with shams charania or shams and it was like it's like the the audio cut out when he was saying when he was going to come back and we all thought the bucks were like jamming a signal or something and then we learned he had back surgery and he doesn't come back until march so everyone is concerned now that chris is going to need some sort of surgery and be out for longer budenholzer plainly said no to that. And I think they really want his conditioning to be right. Given the injury, he lost his dad this past year. He's been sick. So there's just been a lot going on with Chris. I think they don't want to rush him back and make sure he's ready. And he came back a little bit and then had to go out again and more knee soreness and and illness. So all of that and, and that coupled with the fact that Chris is the team's most important ball handler. They've missed Drew for a lot of this stretch. George Hill has been wildly important which is a bad thing and he's missed time joe ingles isn't ready to play every game and he's been up and down since making his return and they just don't have enough ball handlers javon carter who was really good earlier this season has been bad since like the start of december basically so the lack of ball handlers has made offense really hard they've lost Leonis minutes more than ever before and there's been a few games where they go down early and they just basically give up the hornets the hornets scored 51 points in the first mm-hmm. quarter against the bucks like so that's more i think just effort but it's coupled like effort lack of ball handlers loss of chris everything else and they're still right now i think third in the east and they're in the east, you know yep. not that far from first so it's not like it's a total disaster but the vibes are bad because bucks fans aren't used to seeing like you know oh we're just getting rolled again like memphis smoked them the hornets smoked them they blew a late game against the bulls the nets smoked them and this is all in like the last month and change so it's been a stretch of i think the bucks there's a, a like a couple things going on and the outcome has just been like pretty uninspiring basketball for a lot of the stretch I share with the rest of the country that was like did a double take on yeah. Friday when we we saw the box score, at least the, the score update throughout the the telecast uh, of the, the the Hornets and the Bucks game. Yeah. Um, and I was why I was curious to talk to you about like what's going on is do you get the sense from watching the team and covering the team that and look I it's been forever since the Knicks have had a period of sustained. Uh, success where like the regular season doesn't matter. Um, and it's like our season starts in April. Do you get the sense that this is there's a hint of that with this team? That yes, the regular season does matter, and we want to make sure we're a top three seed, but as long as we're top three and it, it doesn't dip below that, we can we can turn it on come playoff time, and, and that's when our season starts. Is there uh, this doesn't start and doesn't matter until April amongst the team? I think there's a little bit of it. I don't think that's the whole reason. I think they still want to win. I mean, I took their over at the start of the year just because I was like, they don't, I mean, they'll they'll punt some games where it's like, okay, the two-way guys are starting or whatever. And I think we'll probably see some of that, you know, this month. They have a couple of really tough stretches. They have 
back to back Atlanta, Miami, then a day off mm. in Miami, then another Miami game right after the Knicks game. That's when that starts. So it's like really please win the Knicks and Hawks games because two straight Miami games is, is torture. Um, even with the heat not being as good this season. Say, still, this season, it might not be the terrible, Miami flu though. The Miami, Miami flu that's still true. applies. Going yeah. to Miami might be the yeah. bigger and thing they, you're facing. And they typically defend the Bucks well. Although, again, this season has been tougher for them in general. Um, but I think there's some of that. But, I mean, Giannis always wants to win. Uh, um, I think it's really like it's a little bit of that, oh, you know, we're, we're a playoff team. But I also think they, they don't go like the LeBron Cavs with it. Like they're not like, oh, we really don't care at all. I, I think they still want to play well and win. I think also the age of the roster is showing in a way that I didn't expect it to so early. I mean, Wes Matthews has been really hard to watch and, and has just not had the same impact on defense that we're used to. And offensively, you don't expect too much from him. Like George Hill has been good, but he's like, you know, 35 year old George Hill. Ingles has had some good stuff offensively, but he certainly looks like, you know, a guy in his mid thirties returning from an ACL on defense. There's been some really tough moments where like Denny Avdia is like blowing by him and dunking. And it's like, okay, I mean, Brad Beal gets by you. Sure. Denny Avdia should probably have a slightly harder time, Joe. Um, so I think really it's multiple things that kind of stack up, like losing Chris for so long is the main one. And then there's a lot of other things cascading. I think it is pretty clear though, that, like they usually do that. They're going to need to make a move. This trade deadline, get a little younger. I think a little more athletic Marjan Bochamp playing more would help, but I think even more, they could use some more just like athletes who are going to keep them in games when the other teams start running. Um, because the box like Giannis can't run on both ends every game of an 82 game season. It's just too much. And they just don't have enough guys who are on both ends are willing to go do that. Like drew is one. They just haven't had him enough recently. Well, Let's talk about the trade deadline a yeah. little bit. The the I've got uh, some questions for you later. Ah, uh, I will really just one. I will, yeah. Well, so go ahead and ask you. What's your question? What's the deal with this quickly stuff? Because with this quickly stuff. Nick, Knicks fans keep getting mad at me because I'm I'm putting them on my list. I'm saying I'd love the Bucks to trade for Emmanuel quickly. It'd be great to have this young guard who can do stuff like trust him a lot more offensively than Javon Carter. All this. Mm-hmm. They're like, why would you? This is our son. It's like, well. They, I keep seeing him in the rumors. They keep saying they're willing to trade him. If if he's in the li- if he's on the rumors, I'm gonna put him on my list. He's a good player. And you're uh, 100% justified in doing okay so. because Emmanuel quickly is like you said a very dependable hybrid sixth man fifth yeah. starter. Like I, he's probably is like too qualified to be a, a bench player, but not. He's not someone that you necessarily need to start games. He's like, I've looked at him as someone that should be playing 25 to 30 minutes, but like, regardless of whether it's the sixth man or, or your, your backup, your, your starting two guard, which he's been lately yeah. um, while RJ's out. Um, the Emmanuel quickly love is real here in New York though. And you kind of have to go back to last season with the Emmanuel quickly love when the Knicks season was going nowhere and Tibbs just refused to see what he looks like as a starting point guard. Um, Like Alec Burks was starting games for most of last year. And if it wasn't Burks, it was Kemba. And we like went through the Kemba Walker experience and like Kemba lost his job. Then COVID happened and he got his job back. They went three and 17 told Kemba to go home and then yeah. for the, every game after the all-star break quickly still did not get, you know, it was, it made, it was the uh, Alec Burke show and quickly didn't get the chance to be featured for a while just to see what this was. Right. So the attachment to not just quickly, but a lot of the younger players on this team. Yeah. Is o- real. OB has been the same, right? They just don't play. OB, him even though he looks well, so good. the OB yeah. thing last year was at least justified. Randall's been, otherworldly this season. So at least you can be like, well, they're not playing him because they have a potential all-star playing ahead of him. Plus, Obi's been out the last five weeks. He just got cleared to start ramping up to play five on five. So you might actually see the debut of Obi Toppin in this game that the Knicks play on Monday. Um, But at least like you understood when it was the guy you just gave a four-year extension to and Randall playing over Obi. Sure. Quickly thing, there was never an excuse, which is why I think Knicks fans... And look, the other reason is that Emmanuel quickly is really freaking good. Yeah. And I I completely understand with him being extension eligible this summer, the Knicks might not want to pay him. You're right. And a contributor to as he writes for the athletic, but is on our pod like all the time. Uh Fred Katz, who covers the Knicks for the Athletic, had a story in December that reported the Knicks were shopping Emmanuel yeah. quickly. Um 
I do think that that's there was a recent report that they that's kind of gone away. And I mean, it's I, played so sh- well. <laughs> that's the part. Like they, they've they actually have some aspirations this season now. If yeah. it's not, I don't think they have championship aspirations, but it might actually be reasonable to be like the next step is going to the second round. It may also yeah. be the next step is forcing a team to six games. But yeah. like they they want to keep Mayo quickly around and reassess this offseason. I say all of that to say like I we did a whole we have this thing called cap or no cap where we talked about why it would actually be like an understandable reason to look around and see what the value is for Mayo quickly, but not necessarily shop him right. with the intention of trading him. It's good to know that on a contender like the Bucks, though, that is a player that uh, oh, yeah. is, that is being targeted. Well, I mean, um, I'm like thirsting over Jordan Clarkson right now, and quickly mm-hmm. just seems like probably not as good right now, but also a lot younger, and you can keep yeah. him around and all that stuff. Who else? Who else are you uh, putting on your your target list? Ooh, I mean, I would still I would still take Crowder. I'm just not that excited about it. I feel yeah. like. But it's like it always helps to have another big defensive wing. Like we'll we'll take that. I mean, the dream for me. I don't know if I should say dream, but I love Boyan. I mean, if I oh yeah, and I, I don't know if they'll trade him. I mean, that we saw this with Jeremy Grant. Like they'll they'll wait and wait and do it later. Like they're not going to be pressed to do it. But that's a guy like the Bucks have one first they can trade twenty twenty nine. And I'm actually doing a Substack piece that'll go up Monday today when people are hearing this. Maybe that it's like if they wait to trade it until the twenty four draft, they could trade twenty nine, thirty one, and whoever they pick in twenty four. So that would be like a logical point for them to kind of flip the core because Chris and Drew are older than Giannis. They'd like to if the, if Giannis is down to stay around, they'd like to get some younger star talent around him. So then three first versus one first, which is all they'll have until then, is like a lot better. So I think they might want to keep that. But I mean, if you can add Boyan right now and that's one of your starters, if you're the Bucks, I think I wouldn't say no. Like if if your starting five is Drew, Boyan, Chris, Giannis, Brooke. You still have Pat Connaughton. Hopefully, Grace Allen's gone, but you still have Pat Connaughton, Bobby Portis, <laughs> those guys. Like that's okay. I'll swing it for that, and let's let's go have a much. I think a significantly better chance of winning it all this year. So that's the interesting thing the Bucks are in. But yeah, I mean, quickly, I'd be thrilled. Clarkson, I'd be really happy. Boyan, I'd be like, okay, hell yeah, let's cook. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. I need to ask you about Grayson Allen because oh, yeah. I know... I, so you want I, him? I, no, but oh, okay. it's, it's probably for other reasons <laughs> than you, you have because you actually had the Grayson Allen experience. You called him an enigma earlier, I think it was. Um, no. What no, was a pariah. It? I called him a, a pariah. pariah. It's worse. That's what I was going to say, worse. Enigma oh, no. is like, Enigma is mysterious. There's no yeah. mystery here. So what is the the feeling about Grayson Allen? Because like he did hit a gigantic shot against the Knicks yeah. like a couple weeks ago. In fact, it was the Wednesday before the Dallas game, the first Dallas game that everybody thought Tibbs was going to get fired like the next day. And it actually started an eight game winning streak for the Knicks, turned their season around. Um, but the like, it does seem like he takes a ton of, he does make big shots yeah. when, whenever I'm at certain points that I've been watching the bucks, what's what makes him a pariah amongst bucks fans. I hope, I hope the Knicks remember that shot as much as you do, because if okay. that, if that helps make some trade happen, that's good with me. The problem okay. with Grayson is he, I think he's always going to, at the end of a regular season, have a really good three point percentage. He played well against Toronto as well. He had 16, but if you look at like the last, like some of these, the worst points of their season. So starting December 15th, he scored in the single digits um, five out of six games and then six out of eight games. It's just like for what they need, for, for what his role is on the team, like he is, or at least has been for most of his time on the Bucks, the fifth starter. And it's like the other offensive wing behind Chris. And he's clearly not as good as Chris Middleton, but like his role is such. So they really, you know, when you have your second scoring wing, you need them to pick up the slack when guys are out. And at points last season and against the Bulls in the playoffs, Grayson was like, oh, yeah, like I can score 20 a game for a while because I get all these shots and he can hit threes. He's a good three point shooter. His drives are an adventure. Sometimes they're terrific. Sometimes they're disastrous. He's had some of the worst live ball turnovers I've ever seen, but I think he's cut him down a bit, but he'll just disappear for a while. And that's the problem is like, you know, you it's it's just really it's a liability to start someone like that when you're a championship contending team or aspire to be such. Because like the Bulls series where he just couldn't do anything for multiple Mm. games and like the Bulls, I mean, not the Bulls, sorry, the Celtics series. Um, And they have great wing defense and it's hard for everyone, but he couldn't do anything. And it's like, you need to be able to do something. So I think someone who's just a little more dynamic, maybe with the ball, someone who they can just rely on more, even if they're not, even if the skill set isn't that different. It's like one of those intangible things. But I I think it's just become clear that the, the, I guess we'll say like the third offensive guy in the perimeter or so like Chris drew, if you want to call Giannis, like the guy behind that offensively, the next best guy needs to be better and more reliable than Grayson Allen is what it's, it feels like this season and the Celtics series has taught the bucks. So that's why like all the like guys like Jay Crowder, sure. Whatever. Like he's a useful offensive player. I'd really like someone though, who it's like, yeah, we, we trust this guy to do more if we need a couple buckets at some point in a tight game, which I mean, this is this is the the problems of a team that's contending for a title yeah. is that, you know, the the eighth and ninth and I guess in Grayson's case, the seventh or sixth man on your team yeah. like that, who that person is matters. So, yeah. um, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what they what they do to upgrade that spot. Um, how do Bucks feels Bucks Bucks feels Bucks fans feel about uh, Coach Bud these days? I know the last time we had you on, it was. The championship glow. He's yeah. got a, a free pass for a year. Uh, that was last season. And, you know, um, I, I, from the outside looking in, look at how the Bucks season ended and not excuse losing to the Celtics, but like you took that team that made the, the finals to seven. You had Jason Tatum have a, a, legendary performance in game six. It's kind of his proving point. I think that he's a legit superstar. Exactly. But it, unfortunately I'm sure this is bringing up old wounds, but it, it, it happened at the expense of the, the bucks in, in your arena. Um, Where do things stand with, with coach bud these days now that he doesn't have the, the recent pass of, we just won a title. Yeah, it's funny. I think Bucks fans are out again. A lot, out. a lot of them. I don't say okay. all. Oh yeah. I mean, I, there's fire bud tweets. It's, it's it's pretty ridiculous and stupid. I think like <laughs> his strengths as a as a coach are long term things that are just not I think really perceptible to fans a lot of the time. So 
like he's bringing Marjan Bochamp along slowly. And Marjan, is, he should play more. Like, I, it's not like I disagree. I'm not blindly in Bud's corner on every issue. But it's like, yeah, he's bringing along a rookie player who's super raw slowly. And it's like, that that's understandable. But it's like, oh, my God, if if Grayson Allen starts above Marjan Bochamp, this guy should be left in Toronto. It's like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Like, come on. Like, who cares? And, it, you know, it's like, oh, the, the Bucks aren't trying hard enough because of Bud. And he's just – and there's all these things. It's like they turn a ball over too much because of Bud. It's like Bud's not the one throwing lazy passes. Do you yeah. think Bud is going to Giannis and saying like, yeah, just don't look. Just throw the ball somewhere. Giannis had some bad turnovers or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's like everything becomes his fault. It's like there are a lot of things that are his fault. And it's been a tough season. It's also, though, for the same reasons that the Boston series was tough. Like, they haven't had Chris for most of it. They've lost Drew for a lot of it. You know, they they have a bench, that, a roster that, you know, coming into the season, I thought was going to be their best roster we've seen. It just hasn't played out as such. And again, a guy like Wes Matthews, who started against the Celtics and was a very useful player, not being able to match that at all so far. It's a big deal. It's a kind of mm-hmm. huge deal for the Bucks. So, you know, they've got to re- they've got to reshape the roster. I don't think Bud has been perfect. But it's also just trying when you don't have enough ball handlers and your shooting comes and goes. And for a lot, like for most of December, it went. They just could not hit any threes. Funny enough, against Charlotte, they they were knocked down. It just didn't matter because they they didn't play any defense or rebound the ball at all. But um, they they were fine. It was nice to at least see some threes go down, which we just didn't see for like months and months and months. So I think like the the team just has not played well. There's a lot of understandable things, and then there's a couple of bud decisions like not playing Marjan. You know, some of the rotations which have been bad, but also it's like you look at the guys they've had available. What's the great option? You're not going to play Giannis 45 minutes against the Charlotte Hornets when you're down 30 points or against the Raptors or whatever else. Like, that's just some things you're not going to do when you're the Bucs. So I don't think he's had a great year coaching, but of course the fan reaction is like uh, apoplectic. So I should, before I, I respond to what you said about Bud with some uh, relatable uh, reactions <laughs> with the Knicks fan base and their head coach, uh, we did just get a report from the Knicks, uh, two beat reporters on the Knicks, uh, both Stefan Bondi and Fred Katz. Uh, Obi Toppin went through all of practice today uh, and sounds like he will be available to play nice. uh, against the, the Bucks. So you will get to see one be fun. Uh, Obadiah Toppin um, against the Love Bucks that, on man. Monday night. Um, so very relatable. The like there are fired Tibbs tweets and postgame comments. And like, I'm not look, I'm just. I'm flat out not as um, I don't want to call him blindly uh, defensive about Tibbs, but passionately defensive about Tibbs as my colleague and good friend, Mr. Macri is, <laughs> but I, I lean more positive than negative with Tibbs. There was a point this season where I thought there was an effort issue. They had made multiple rotation changes and we were still like struggling to get max effort and ma- like good contests from this yeah. team, which like that shows signs of a team that has quit on its coach. After that, it's literally after that point, they're 13 and five in the last 18 with one of the best net ratings in the sport. They're doing things under Tibbs. Like you mentioned that JJ Reddick, Fred Van Vliet podcast, and he mentioned like something positive about Tibbs' offense and how much they're running. They're disguising their Spain pick and rolls this yeah. season. And that's like been their, their main offense. As you mentioned, is there quibbles? With like how often he plays guys and like we you bring up Emmanuel quickly. If RJ Barrett doesn't get his finger chopped off by Luka Doncic, Quickly's probably playing 17 to 20 minutes a game still. And I I don't think that's acceptable. And when you're playing in the margins like that, it's it's concerning that he won't play one of his six best players more than 17 yeah. minutes. Um, I say all of that because the Knicks don't have the championship expectations where you can be a little more like we'll judge him on his postseason track record and there's so there are two portions of the fan base that are like listen we're normal the floor right now is like the play-in we'll take it and then there are other ones that are like we should be leaning fully into playing all of these kids as much as possible and with that won't happen with this head coach and I I can relate to uh, some unreasonable, but also then some um, yeah. understandable frustrations with a, a head coach that I don't think is doing that terrible of a job this season. Yeah, I think the Bucks' offense has been kind of a mess too, and I think that that some again that's somewhat on Bud for sure. It's also on 
the roster hasn't been that good. The guys who have played just haven't played that well a lot. And yeah. it's like, okay, I mean, there's only so much you can scheme. I mean, that's why at the end of the day, most NBA coaches, even the good ones, are relatively unimportant, especially compared to other <laughs> sports. Like, like yeah. it's really hard. Like what Pop did, it's so hard. And also, you know, hasn't really won that much without Tim Duncan. He had a couple right. good years after, but it's like, it's not to take anything away from Greg Popovich, but there's just like, there's much more importance on the players and much, le- not much less, but there's certainly less on the coach in basketball because there's so few players and the talent level is such a big deal. It's really hard to consistently punch above your weight class because you just can't make, you can't make up for not having LeBron if the other team has LeBron or Giannis right. or, or t- prime Tim Duncan, whoever it is. So it's just funny that there's so much made of all this. And then I, I talked to coaches, like people, not NBA head coaches, but like people who coach around at different levels, you know, wherever. And it's like, the fans have no idea of a lot of what really matters and what goes on. It's just like, there's some things that are obvious and fair and some that are just like, you, you know, you're missing the forest for the trees. Well, I don't know if you saw this from the your most recent, well, not most recent game, but the Raptors game. I tapped into some of Raptors Twitter lately. Oh, they hate Nick Nurse now. They hate Nick Nurse. It's hilarious. It's like, that's the thing. It's also like, it's like offensive lines, I think, in the NFL, where almost Mm -hmm. every team is like, yeah, our coach stinks. It's like, okay, are they all bad? Is there two good coaches? Every, I, man. So yeah, believe me, relatable. Well, it's like um, Steve Kerr's Warriors fans on Steve Kerr over the yeah. years. There's been so much <laughs> the dynasty. Well, like- so Warriors fans before last season were like, didn't win anything without KD. Yep. Like yep. we, the last thing we had before that unbeatable team is him blowing a three one lead against Cleveland. And then last year happened. It's like, oh, he actually is like a okay, really yeah. good head coach. And that, I think that the long term stuff of just like learning things over a full season, keeping a team together, which I think is one of the bud things that goes underappreciated. I mean, their collapse in 18 or in the 19 playoffs against the Raptors and then against the heat in the bubble. Mm -hmm. And then Giannis was able to walk after that season. And it's like a lot of, most of it is Giannis, but there's also some bud, like keeping a group together, like those kind of things that don't really get talked about much. Well, you segued perfectly into my last question, because I would be remiss if I didn't, ask a a bucks uh podcaster about about Giannis and Mm. we had we do a patreon pod where we talk about the nba at large and we've been tracking one of the fun things we do is we track the nba and the mvp race oh yeah and like it john and i both picked Giannis to win mvp at the beginning of the year i have a take that if he wins mvp it doesn't have to win Depoy, but if he wins Depoy, it helps. Might take a lot. Wins MVP, wins Depoy, and the title this year. I have him in my top fifteen ever. And oh, I don't yeah. think it's I think that. Sure. I don't think it's even that. Like he's ahead of Akeem. That's for that's for me at least. Yeah. Um, and as we've tracked it, it seems like he's one of the forgotten men. That like KD's having an unreal year rear, unreal year uh Luka obviously doing what he's doing Tatum on one of the better teams in the NBA and then obviously Jokic I was going to say the league is incredible cuz four guys have been mentioned and not Jokic who I think is pro- I think people are going to be upset some Bucks fans are I when think he, he should be he should third, be number 1 yeah. right now he's so good dude like jeez yeah that yeah. well so now I I go to that go to the the race and yet Giannis seems to yeah, be taken for granted a little bit, and people um, like are sleeping on Giannis being a consistent, you know, source of one of the better defenders in the sport, as well as close to thirty points, close to twelve rebounds, and you know, a high effective field goal percentage. He hasn't been like to his standard as good yeah. as years past, but again, it's his standard that he's right. he's set. Um, I just, what's it like watching? Um, and from an from obviously an intimate level, like a your guy, be talked about around the league so consistently, and then, you know, what are what are your projections for uh his, his all time standings when when this season comes to an end? Are you still confident that like this season will will add to his legacy? Yeah, I think they all will at this point. I mean, even if he doesn't win a given year, I think now that he's done it and in such definitive fashion that like anyone who thought he didn't have a bag or couldn't win or whatever, like you're just wrong. It's mm-hmm. not a debate anymore. I don't feel the need to argue with people like I did before that. He dropped 50 points in game six of the finals and shot 17 for 19 from free throw. He was the whole team in that game. Like all yeah. credit to Chris and Drew and everyone who made that. PJ, everyone, Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, Brooke Lopez, I think that's pretty much everyone who played a lot mm-hmm. of minutes. Um, like 
Um, it was him. It was Giannis. He did it. He's, I think he's the best in the world still. I don't think he should win MVP based on what's happened so far this season. Like, I think if he's not in someone's top three or maybe even top five, I'm not upset about it. Like, I don't think they played that well. And that obviously has a lot to do with anyone's case. Like, I saw KD was number one in the Eastern All-Star returns. And I was like, yeah, that's understandable. I mean, he plays in New York. They've been so good. He's been the engine. Like, he's been unstoppable. So, Sure. I mean, they beat mostly bad teams and whatever, but all-star is always a reflection of like half the year anyway. So I'm not going to get that upset. Um, he should, he has to start. I think he will. Oh, yeah, there's, he no, will. there's no question. Um, but yeah. And, and the, the rest of the all-star stuff for the Bucks is complicated, but you know, Giannis, I don't think is the best depoy candidate on his team this year, which is. Would you go it, to, to go Lopez? Brooke. Yeah. Blue yeah Lopez, okay. who I, th- I, I think that's, I was listening to the last full, like not, not game specific Knicks film school pod and mm-hmm. talking about Randall's all-star. And, and I was like, Oh man, like that's a good case. And I think Brooke might lose out to him, which is unfortunate. Brooke is the second all-star I'd like for the bucks this year. Uh, it'd be cool if drew got one too. Chris got what should have been Drew's last year. So if they keep switching around, that's cool. I think he would set a record for the longest stretch between all-stars. I think Brooke would mm-hmm. actually too, because it's been like 10 years for both of them since they made the game. And they're such different players now, but Brooke has been the rock, the anchor defensively. Giannis, I think still is the best defensive player on the team when he wants to be, but he wants to be less because he does so much offensively. Uh, and Brooke is the opposite. Like there are Bucks fans would be like, why doesn't Brooke post up more? Because he is guarding the rim in all of his minutes. And he's one of the best, if not the best in the league. Now that Gobert is falling off a bit at doing so. Take whatever points he gives you. 14 and a half per game from him has been very much needed and great. He is a defensive guy. Let him focus on that. Um, but Giannis, just real quick. I know I talked about everyone, but Giannis and now you're I good. denigrated Giannis. I got to talk about Giannis. I denigrated him. I, th- I think he's the best player in the world. I think he's had to make up for so much this season. And there's been times where I've been like, Giannis should really pass more. Giannis needs to work on the offense more. And then you get to the end of the game and like no one's hitting any shots. And it's like, okay, I get it. Like, I understand why you're doing this. Like you'd have to do this. He wants to win every game that he plays. And he's just like relentless and unstoppable and dominating. Like, I think his skill is still probably a little underrated and what goes into that and the angles he can score at from the rim and how he gets past guys, how he uses his legs to feel opposing players and get around them, which is something that Michael Jordan taught Kobe. And I know Kobe worked Mm -hmm. with Giannis. Who knows if that was a direct line thing or not, but he's so good, but he's also just like, so he wants to dominate every possession. And it's just like, so fun to watch a guy who's just like going out there every night. And it's just like, I'm just going to beat the other team. I think that he had a career high um, recently against the wizards. I think it was mm-hmm. at the second wizards game. Um, and it was just like, yeah, he just decided they weren't going to lose again. And he just made that decision and then did it. And it's like, it's so fun to watch him. And, you know, he's pimped the Milwaukee on his jersey when he did it. Mm-hmm. And we did an emergency pod. And it's such a cool moment. But I think, yeah, like the fact that he's so, I don't know about wholesome because he makes sex jokes all the time. But he's like such a great guy <laughs> off the court. And also he's like so great, so great of a player and so dominating and fun to watch. Um, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I, I try to keep that in mind even when they're 16 and 14 over 30 games and his efficiency is down, they lose his minutes more than we've ever seen before. It's not because Giannis isn't great. It's because he's having to do so much. So yeah, it's, it's been a blast. Yeah, it used to be a blast. I, I saw one of the clips you posted about like, and I've read a lot about the Kareem fallout in Milwaukee and how like appreciate this as it's happening. Like we can talk yeah. about the, the fault the, the the future and this season and, like where this season's going, but like appreciate what we're watching as it's happening. Cause yeah. we have not as a fan base, as, as, as Bucks fans seen a player like this since Kareem. And that obviously ended a certain way. Um, and you know, it's hard not to be jealous watching, you know, from afar. Uh, but I'm, I'm as a, as an NBA fan, I'm an admirer of obviously of, of what Giannis does and, and curious to see where his career takes him Yeah. before we get out of here. Do you have anything for, any questions about the Knicks before we go? I'm, I'm excited for the game. I think it, it, it's been some fun battles. I know the Bucks are 2-0 against them this year. And I think, you know, I, right now, I think the only guys for sure we know will be on the injury report after that OB update are 
RJ, it seems like it's still going to be out. Chris, RJ. I think, is also still going to be out. So I, I was looking at the two games they played earlier today, and I saw Drew had a big plus minus in both, which makes sense given the Jalen Brunson factor for the Knicks. And I know Giannis against RJ, I think, is going to be obviously not RJ against um, Randall. Randall yeah. is a big matchup too that should go the Bucks way. Um, but I think you know it's funny like the the Brunson discourse between when it was first happening and now and there's so much like this is really their plan and maybe to some that's fair to some extent like he's not an all nba player but i do think still there are too many nba fans who are just unaware of how important the point guard position is mm-hmm. and my bet this is a good example because i think he organizes so much for them and makes rj and when he's playing and randall's lives easier and better but I always remember the process Sixers, the worst year. Mm. It looked like they were going to go six and seventy-six for a while, which I thought would have been cool. And then they got oh my god, Ish Smith. Ish they got Smith, Ish yeah. Smith of all players. Yeah. And they were a decent team. They were bad, but they were like a respectable bad team after that. It's just like, oh yeah, you need someone to organize things. And going from old Derrick Rose, who no longer plays, to Jalen Brunson is a big deal. And I just think like it's cool. I think it's good for teams to just get better. I I, I think we're good. That this year in the NBA, there's not so many teams who are just like, we just want to be really bad and get Webb and Yama, which was a fear of mine before the season. Uh-huh. I'm glad that teams like the Knicks are like, no, you know, we have good players. Let's be a good team. There's, oh, that's, that's valuable. Ty, I could have told you that before the season. If there's one team that will not. Oh, no, I, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The New York Knicks. Um, look, I it's not necessarily a pushback because like just the Knicks get met with this a lot when whenever yeah. they do anything. It's like, of course, the Knicks cleared uh, lit their number 11 pick on fire so that way yeah. they can clear cap space to get Jalen Brunson and like what's Jalen Brunson you spent a hundred million dollars on a guy that's you know was a bench player in 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 Dallas um I know the more informed like you the more informed NBA fan was like or NBA fanalist analyst whatever you want to yeah, call yeah. it I think fanalist is good yeah uh understood his value guys is 16th highest paid point guard in the NBA <laughs> and uh, my God, has he been a godsend? And that, that's yeah. like not to dismiss some of his defenses, defensive limitations. And, you know, he he's had a bit of a downstretch lately where he just hasn't been what he was for the first month and a half of the season. But like you said, the point guard position has just been been dire. Like yeah. the, there's three weeks of Jeremy Lin. I was going to say, if you don't cut Linsanity, who is this the best? It's Marbury, Marbury, oh Charlie Ward, Derek Harper, Mark yeah. Jackson. And then you go back to Clyde, yeah. you know, in the seventies and like having Jalen Brunson here has been at least, you know, consistently. And like, this is like to Jalen, to, to Julius Randall's all-star case, like yeah. to know that you have a, a calming force in crunch time. That is Jalen Brunson. He's been so clutch and he's been the number one option. And at times when like you, if you double Jalen Brunson, then you've got Randall with a mismatch. Yeah. Like it's it's all been been a been a nice breath of fresh air. And it's a lot of the reason why they're 22 and 18 and would play the Bucks in the first round if the season ended today. Um, I might hurt your feelings. I'm okay with that, given the other teams floating around down there. I still do don't mean? want the heat. I st- I, I, I'll take the Knicks matchup. Oh, I I would yeah. just take it because the Knicks are the sixth seed. I, yeah, yeah, I like no, would no, avoid no, the play-in, no, yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I didn't want to sound defensive. Yeah. Where I'm like, no, yeah, no. if the Knicks are the first round, that's that feels pretty good because you, you the Bucks have know. had some tough ones. But no, I, yeah, I think it's a win for both sides, honestly. Yeah, you have to know, like, the, the ceiling for the Knicks right now, at least, at least as far as I'm concerned as a Knicks fan, like, the yeah. fact that the playoffs are not... At least, it's not that they're an expectation, but that they're in the conversation and a realistic... Thing yeah. to look forward to is just it's a breath of fresh air. I mean, I think if you finish top six, it's like no matter what happens from there, it's kind yeah. of a win. Like it's above play in is a big that's a that's a like you're a good team if you're above the play in on either it, conference. So. I got them at plus 170 before the season to make the play in and predicted oh. that they'd be the ninth seed, like that they'd yeah. be hosting the play in against whoever finished 10th. And do you win? So is it auto win then if they're not? Oh, do you they're, lose? So does Vegas get you if they're well, six? No, like, no so they're they not have in the to play finish in. They finish at okay. funny. Okay. If they did, but if they, <laughs> I will, we'll, we'll talk to my friends at, at Fanduel. Yeah, yeah. They decide to to pull some pull something. Like yeah, that. yeah. But as far as I know, if they at least make 10. the playoffs, that's already that's yeah, already yeah. in. Um, Ty, thank you so much for giving me the time today. Uh, where can people find you and the things that you do on the internet? 
Yeah. So at Ty Windish on Twitter, T-I-W-I-N-D-I-S-C-H. You can find the Eurostep and all of our other podcasts and, and pretty much everything we do at gspn.info. That's like our, our main hub for all of our all of our content. So if you want to check out any of that, um, feel free to go do so. I always appreciate it. If you are uh, into covering, uh, into following, obviously, the Bucks or out-of-market yep. teams, check out their stuff. If you're a football fan, and, uh, and we're, we're recording this around noon on Sunday, um, and you want to hear the reaction to the Packers' big Sunday oh, yeah. night football game against the Detroit Lions, uh, they've got a, a Packers podcast called Talk of the Tundra on their network. So you can check that out as well. Uh, Ty, it's always great talking to you. Wait, wait, real quick. Oh, we have one more. What's up? If you're a baseball fan and you want to react to a powerhouse MLB team, Mm -hmm. big money signing of Wade Miley. (laughs) It's our our only free agent deal so far. Cruising for a bruising as well covers the Milwaukee Brewers. Clearly going to be a a big time player now that we shelled out the big bucks for Wade Miley. So I think everyone needs to follow the Brewers now that they made that statement. I think the Mets, you know, fine. (laughs) The Yankees, sure. Aaron Judge, I guess he's good. They're no Wade Miley. So... Uh, <laughs> Christopher Bruce is a great name <laughs> and you. I I would love for all of my baseball focus to just be on like uh, a tertiary signing like Miley and not what is happening with Carlos Correa <laughs> holy cow future brewer baby We're still in play listen it's in play <laughs> his market might diminish to who's willing to give me more than one year yeah. At this point, I, I'll take whatever the, the Mets can give me at this point. <laughs> Ty, thank you as always, man. This was fun. Yeah, thank you, Andrew. Big thank you to Ty once again for coming on today's show to preview the Knicks matchup against the Milwaukee Bucks. This outro is being recorded after the Packers game we were just referencing. So, Ty, I hope you're doing okay after the Packers season ended in pretty heartbreaking fashion at Lambeau Field with what might be uh, the last game of Aaron Rodgers' career. I do know a little more about Ty personally, so I think he actually is okay, not being the biggest Packers fan, but to his listeners that are Packers fans, I hope you're all okay uh, dealing with that loss and personally and selfishly hope you're uh, that's compounded with another loss against the Knicks on Monday night. Uh, but thank you to Ty for coming on uh, and hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. Tune in after tonight's game for John's post game. As always, it'll be live every platform that we go live on Facebook live, Twitter live. And of course the KFS YouTube channel. Um, That'll do it for me. If you dig the show, head over to iTunes and drop a five-star rating and a review. We'll be back on Wednesday with another interview to preview the Knicks matchup against the Pacers. But until then, thank you so much for listening to the Knicks Film School pregame podcast. We'll be back with another one very soon. 